Hello there, chitheads, and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by Tristan. And we've been playing the gorgeous Everdell and the insane Street Masters. Yeah! Woo! Everdell is a recent sort of mega success on Kickstarter and is one of those games that is just gorgeous. But before we start talking about this, we really need to point out the fact that Starling Games, who produce Everdell, were very kind enough to give us a copy to talk about. Legends. Which is fantastic. It does mean, if you're one of these people who thinks that having, um, <laughs> since we've been given a copy of the game, that makes this a shill review then uh, you're very much entitled to that opinion. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. We, and we do we do tend to only talk about the games we enjoy. So if we were sent copies of a game that we did not talk about, then that would speak about how much we did or did not enjoy it. Exactly. I think as a thought experiment, publishers should send us games and yes. see if there's a direct correlation between them posting them over and us actually talking about them. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, any publishers out there listening to this who want to send us free games, you know, we'll do what we can to include. We'll, we'll try podcast. and clear our yeah. schedules. In fact, uh, Street Masters, which we're also going to talk about in a bit, uh, I was a full backer for mm-hmm. on the Kickstarter. Um, but if uh, Blacklist, if you're listening and you want to send us a copy of Brook City and everything else you've got coming, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Okay, then. So we, moving back to uh, Caveats the, the, yeah, the matter at hand. So Everdell, it's a worker placement game set in this beautiful alternate reality where woodland creatures are creating their own habitats and cities. Yes, it's all you're playing as little mice, hedgehogs, There's and badgers and squirrels and things. Yeah, and tortoises. You tortoises. can't overlook those tortoises. Yeah. So this immediately is appealing to families, and as soon as Raphael saw it, he went nuts for it, <laughs> as did Francesca. So it's um, definitely family oriented. It, it says age is thirteen plus on the back, but Raphael's eight, and he grokked it faster than yeah. we did. Plays quickly, and it's a worker placement game where you're building a city in the forest out of lots of gorgeously illustrated cards. Yeah, so you're um, you're based around the ever tree, aren't you? So it's like this sort of um, large life giving tree of which everything kind of splinters off. What, what did you think about the tree? So so you physically <laughs> assemble this three D tree. The tree's um, cool. It's a little it's, bit gimmicky. This is the kind of thing that you, know, you either love or hate. Yeah, um, it's, um, I won't go as far to say it's as bad as some other gimmicks that we've seen when you basically construct your own board. Yeah. Isn't there, there's like an Attack on Titan um, game in development where oh, well, you, you actually climb the Titan. Up the Titan. Yeah. Which I'm also quite excited about. Um, there's a cowboy game where you're running along a 3D train that you've set up yeah. and they can interact fully with that. There's not really any of that going on with this. It's a very, very ornate card stand where you yeah. put some events on it, you put the, some of your meadow cards at the bottom, and at the top, it's just an extra spot to keep all your extra meeples which you pull out each season. And it just provides a bit of a focal point for the board, really. It does, yeah. And I've seen some discussion about whether or not you'd have to assemble it every game because you're going to have to it? build and tear this down each time. Yeah. Right. I, no, I didn't glue it. <laughs> God, no. Um, you just have to leave it out forever if you did that. So I don't know how much wear and tear it'll suffer, or if the idea is you yeah. just leave it out on your table forevermore. It's quite a cosy flat pack, isn't it? So you just put like tab A and tab B and then a few pits yeah. on top of that. 
It, I mean, it could have it could have easily been spaces on a board. Yeah, but it wouldn't have had that visually striking sort of element to it. I guess after a few more games, when <laughs> if, if it starts falling apart, we'll know. But actually, I don't know. It is pretty sturdy, and it does look cool, and it's yeah. nice to sort of see you know all the stuff that's coming up, the event cards that you can grab off the tree, sort of thing. Yeah, and the board. Have we mentioned the art yet? The art is <laughs> the art is insanely good. Um, anybody who's listened to this knows I'm an art whore mm-hmm. and I will buy games based on the art alone. And yeah. this one almost certainly would have picked up if Starling hadn't sent us a copy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the cover is like gorgeously evocative. It reminds me of like Redwall and those books, you know, like about the mice fighting each other and stuff yeah. like that. And Narnia, that kind of thing. Yeah, all those bits and pieces. Yeah. It's turned into an art review. Um, like the colour palettes have picked the illustrations are all beautiful they're all really well designed and thought through i don't know if there's just one artist working on this or there's a couple of artists that have all very strictly kept to the same brief but nothing looks out of place there's a couple of individual sort of styles that you see in there but it just kind of tells the story of these little woodland creatures quite beautifully there's a lot of um, fun being had with it as well there's a ferryman who's a little toad there's an architect character and it's a hedgehog with some glasses on and a um, bit of paper that he's looking at. And it's literally the cutest thing ever. There's yeah, it's also... literally all, all of the cards you're playing are either constructions or critters. Yeah. So you're building, a, it's a grid, isn't it? You're building a grid. Are we talking of... about game mechanics? Can we go back to cute animals? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, I, I diverted yeah, but, you from that. But please, yeah, but we should probably talk about how <laughs> the, the wind game and plays. the willows. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, so critters versus um, structures. Yes. So. I think you compared this to Lords of Waterdeep because it is a worker placement game, right? And you're building a city. You're building a, well, you're building a grid of 15 cards, three rows of five. Yeah. And you're bringing in various critters and constructions. And you've got your workers, your little mice and tortoises and stuff like that. And you're placing them down on locations. You're gathering resources. There's four basic resource types. Um, and you're trying to score points effectively. And there's a bit of blocking each other. Yeah. Um, if you're shuffling the expansion cards, which we didn't, there's a bit more player interaction there, I think, in the expansion cards where you can swap hands of yeah. cards with other people and stuff. Uh, but essentially, you're focusing on gathering resources to build these grids of cards to collect points. Yep. So it's a worker placer and uh, like a set collection combined. Yep. Um, and so I think Raphael compared it to Charterstone Cross with Seven Wonders. So it has the same oh, thing yeah, in Seven yeah, Wonders. Yeah. Like if you build a certain type of building or if you build a certain type of critter, it makes other cards free to play. So yeah. you don't have to spend the resources on them. So you get these strange situations where if you can bag a turn where you play a card for free, it's effectively giving you a free turn as well because everybody else is then going to be on your go. You either place a worker or you play a card, right? You've, yep. And you have to pay for the card. But if you can figure out these combos where you're doing free turns, you can kind of keep teeing up your go for longer yeah. and stay in the game for longer. So everybody else can burn out on their actions over the course of the game. They'll You'll have a finite amount of workers, a finite amount of actions, and anybody else who's burned out and finished all of their moves, whilst you're still going, it just gives you this opportunity to keep kicking up the victory points. Yeah. Everyone else has to kind of wait and see them, don't they? Yeah. If they've got enough points or not. Yeah, so we had this weird situation where you guys had run out of actions mm-hmm. and I was still going, basically, and I still yeah. sort of comboing and stuff. But it doesn't take too long. It's, it says about 40 to 80 minutes duration. That sounds about right. Yeah, eight, 80, minute, over an 80 hour. minutes is sort of first game yeah. length and then it'll come right down after that, I think. 
and there's not really too much to take in. If you've ever played a worker placer before, you'll recognise the sort of resource types and the the action Ex combos. Exactly, yeah. And I'd go as far to say that even if you've not played many games before, this game is really easy to pick up. Yeah. A lot of the rules are actually written down on the cards. It's that sort of a game where a certain character or critter will react in a certain way depending on what's out, and then you just have to basically just keep your eyes peeled for things that might work to your advantage and pick them up as, as and when you can. Yeah. And the uh, rule book is super brief. We yeah. literally, we learn this on the hop, which we never do. I always I always learn the rules before game yeah. night so that like we've had at least one run through before we sit down, unless Dave's here because he can just absorb them like a Dave, Dave, Many a time Dave has played it or read the rules before Dave would learn Pendragon on the hop. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we literally sat down and read the rules together and there's about maybe 10 small pages. Your actual go is really simple. You're playing a card or placing a worker. Yeah. The only other action that's not described there is when you prepare for the season's end. So the game takes mm -hmm. course over spring, summer, and autumn. So when you've played down all your workers and you play down all your cards and you physically can't make a move, instead of passing, you prepare for season, prepare for the next season. So in spring, you would get one extra worker and you sort of reactivate certain cards, mm -hmm. get all your dudes back, and then carry on playing. So you could go to spring faster than I could. Or yeah. vice versa. And definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got summer where you get another worker and you get some extra cards. And then you've got autumn where you, you get two more workers and, you know, refresh your abilities again. Yeah. Um, and then when you've finally run out of actions, it's game over sort of thing. You add up your points. Yeah. But that's a nice little mechanic because you can, it's not like a finite thing. Like at the end of Lords of Waterdeep, at the end of each round, you have to wait for everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, and you all move on together. And that's staggered out over is eight turns, I think, eight rounds. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this, it just the you, play continues until yeah, you it's just all keep done. going and yeah. you just kind of you don't really fall behind, but at the same time, you kind of do. Um, <laughs> you can do if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. I ended up being the first player to finish this game because I went for the monastery and the monk, and it's quite resource expensive. Um, they don't give you much except for lots of victory points but they do like exhaust workers quite quickly as well. So I put like, you know, half my workers down on that in the final turn, spent a load of resources building them and then felt quite happy about what I'd done. And then just was watching you and Raphael do all your big combo moves <laughs> afterwards. And then I realized, oh, maybe I should have thought about having more um, buildings and critters that work in sync with each other. Um, yeah, but, you also had like palaces and kings and queens, didn't you? So I think, yes. and, and they're like the highest cost cards and they give higher point rewards. They, they give a lot of victory points for having them and then they give you lots of buffs for having other buildings around them. So the palace, it was each of a unique building. So in the game, you can have common buildings where you have as many of those as you like in your little city, in your 15 square grid. But unique buildings generally cost more, but give you more victory points. And then they've got some of the better abilities to give you extra victory points at the end of it. So I was trying to build those, but then wasn't really building a lot of um, resource generating cards, which will allow you to pick characters off or and play more get some freebies. Yeah. You also played a few cards, I noticed, where you bring a card into play and it's actually got an action slot on the card that you've yes. got a worker on. and then you play the worker onto it. So you've got, on the board, you've got the generic action slots where you put a dude down and you pick up uh, wood, pebbles, uh, resin and or berries. And then there's a few others that sort of play around with that. Like you might get less pebbles, but you'll get a card with it as well or a victory point. Or, yeah. And they sort of, they mix it up a little bit. Then there's a couple of advanced actions, which out of a deck of about 20 or something, you shuffle them and you bring four into play each game, which are different every game, and yeah. they'll mix it up again. There'll be another one, like imitate 
a basic action but gain something else as well or which, yeah which really helps us out really because um there was not kind so of the many you want to go yeah, for aren't they there's yeah. not that many resource spots out there and it gave you an extra card as well from the meadow deck which the meadow deck the meadow oh yeah, yeah so, the, so, so there's a shared pool of cards isn't there available you've yes got, you've got a handful of uh cards you can have up to eight cards in your hand you've got a shared meadow deck on the board yeah. so there's like eight which should almost be like in a deck builder that would be you know the market that you can choose from and then there's a face down deck, a big stack of like 120 odd cards. Yeah. And you're sort of playing and drawing from all of these at any given point based on what kind of resources you've got. It's trying to pick the best combo. So if, you, if you're building a monastery, go for the monk afterwards. Yeah. But then there's also event cards which are placed on the tree. Hidden <laughs> um, away up there. Which, yeah, which will give you. So if you buy, I don't know, the peddler and the courthouse or something like that, yeah. a, a certain double combination, then it's worth extra. Uh, you can claim that event card as extra VP. And then there's set collection event cards as well, or event tokens where you can go on a great adventure and stuff like this. Yeah. So there's loads of different sort of elements where you can just score these extra snidey points kind of thing. <laughs> and then there's um, in the final round, in the autumn round, you can send one of your characters on a journey. Yeah. And depending on which spot you place them on, you discard that many cards and you get that many points. Even though the gameplay is simplistic and you can only do these two or three things each turn, you've really got to pick carefully, like Lords of Waterdeep yeah. um, and Chartstone. <laughs> you've got to really sort of agonise over which ones are going to maximise you the most points. It reminds me of Seven Wonders as well in that respect a lot. There's a lot of cards keying off each other. Like when I built my palace, I got the queen straight away afterwards. When I built my monastery, I got the monk. Yes, because the queen would be like a really expensive card otherwise. Yeah, it'd be like you play five three. berries, which yeah. is crazy. Honestly, trying to save up five berries, it's insanely stressful. <laughs> so <laughs> berries by people. This is, this is very, in this yeah, respect, yeah. there's no rogues, wizards, thieves or whatever. You're literally buying like... Uh, squirrel adventurers and things yeah and they, they require berries to sustain, to, to sustain them sticks a bit more abundant you can get those quite readily but pebbles as well oh my god the pebble racket that was going <laughs> um it was it was quite difficult i don't know how i got enough pebbles to build a palace to be honest with you <laughs> but you pebbles know, are quite hard to come by or it seemed that way i don't know if yeah yeah right. well if it would have been almost impossible if we hadn't had the extra action square out like which meant we could imitate actions, the yeah. pebble because there's only one space the forest actions yeah that just shows how well thought out the game is really because if you're trying to build up resources to get your buildings out then you really need to think about what you're going to do straight away in the season because someone else is going to occupy that pebble space before you get there is there another route to try and get them you can burn cards so you can build up a load of cards in your hand from the meadow deck and then for every two you discard you can take one resource. So I told, chose to get loads of pebbles off the back of that. The only downside is you have to get rid of six cards. So you want to wait until you're just using one worker to do that. You don't want to just get rid of two. Yeah. You want to wait until you've got this almighty deck of eight and then dump them all at once and hope you've not accidentally got rid of the card you wanted to build. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's, there's all sorts of decisions like that going on in the game. It's a very, it's a simple game to pick up. It's a simple game to play, but with all the components in there and the way they all interact with each other, especially with the expansion um, stuff, with the legendary cards, there's a lot of replayability. There's, you know, you can come back to it with different strategies. Yeah, you you wouldn't see... I don't think... It didn't feel like we'd touched the deck by the no, end of the game. Like, we've all. been through a lot of cards, but um, unless you purposely spam uh, spaces where you'll discard your hand and draw a new one, 
which yeah. it, there are opportunities to do that. You can't rely on certain cards coming out. There's multiple copies of each card. Yeah. But it's a huge deck. So it might be, you know, you've got the castle, but you can't rely on the king or the queen coming out. So you yeah. have to sort of plan around, you know, lots of other strategies as well, um, which I think is okay, actually. Um, in Seven Wonders, I love the variety, but in Seven Wonders, you, you tend to sort of plan around or see the same cards. And, yeah. you know, it's the order in which they come out or, oh, lecky has got the, the those soldiers, so I'm not going to yeah, see them. Yeah, and it's drafting as well, so everyone sees what everyone else has got. Yeah, Whereas I this... did wonder if they were going to do that in this, actually. Even Raphael mentioned that at the start. He's like, are we going to draft the cards? Yeah, well, he seemed really excited about it, didn't he? Yeah, and as a mechanic. there's no mention of that. I guess you'd probably be able to, you know, throw that in as a, a house rule. Yeah, possibly. Um, but but again, because the deck's so big, I'm not sure how much benefit that would yeah. bring. You couldn't really plan more around that. Or maybe you could, actually, because well, there were, we did get some combos. Like we had a farm with a husband and wife mouse <laughs> yeah. and they like key off each other and stuff and so we, yeah. we were picking up combos and you had the royal combos so. exactly there's eight cards in the marketplace that everyone can see but then you can just draw off the meadow deck um so the deck of cards underneath the tree as much as you want as long as you're on an action that'll allow you to do that so that's where i was getting most of the cards of my cards in hand and i think i bought two cards from the center um, I think you built, bought a lot more, but you were looking for more specific things, I think. Whereas I was just trying to get cards in my hand that I could burn for resources. <laughs> so, yeah, I managed to see quite a lot of the cards that were in there. I didn't see them all by a lot stretched imagination. And um, I think I kept nudging you and Raphael to keep an eye out for certain cards in, in order to keep off quests. Yes. Just because I like quite like being involved that way once I'd finished the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it's um, there's, there is there's a lot in there. And I'd probably go so far as to say this might just be Lords of Waterdeep being, yeah, being the recommendation for like first Euro game to play or first board game recommendation. You did say that while we were it's playing got massive I didn't know if you were going to say it in a podcast because I thought I'm, it'd be too contentious. I'm, no, I'm, I'm putting my name behind it. Um, <laughs> what little reputation what about the I have. There's not as much backstabbing. There's, in there's absolutely no um, backstabbing. <laughs> Apart from the blocking, the sort of, there's, oh, I can see what yeah. you're going for. Sort of thing. Well, that's, that's Euros, isn't it? But there's no, yeah, there's no intrigue cards. Well, again, though, we didn't really use the expansion, but there's, there's certainly there's no legendary cards where you sort of take yeah. that kind of thing. In fact, most of the interaction cards were like, give another player two berries to gain for victory sort of thing. So I was wondering as well, when we started playing, is the cutesy art and everything can overshadow the gameplay because you'd definitely be more inclined to play a beautiful game like this and think, yeah. oh, it's so pretty. Maybe it's better than I actually think it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe it covers up the cracks in the game, but it's pretty slick. It does play quickly. And my first instinct was, I kind of want to play it again straight yeah. away. <laughs> um, definitely. Which I don't really often get with Euros. I do like Lords of Waterdeep. I'd definitely play that again. But certainly like um, Euro farm building type games. Yeah, sometimes you get to the end and you're just ready to just big sigh of relief. And thank God that's over. Let's (laughs) not do that again for another week. Um, But because they they are very brain burning. Like, you know, you're constantly thinking about what you're going to do, how you're going to build your like point mechanism, your point scoring engine. Whereas like with Everdell, it can be stressful trying to work out what resources you're going to get and how you're going to get them quickly so you can carry on playing the game. But at the same time, you're just looking at these like cute little squirrels. <laughs> the flavor text is just as sweet as the art yeah. is. So like my little um, squirrel monk, his flavor text was just like dot, 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 because he's taken a vow of silence. <laughs> it was like so tongue in cheek. 
And again, I can't get over there was a bat wearing glasses reading a book upside down. It'll melt any heart this game <laughs> <laughs> completely. You would have to have a stone heart, I think, to not yeah. appreciate this. Although, you know, if you don't like cutesy things and little yeah. squirrels and animals and stuff, this, <laughs> this thing is chock full yeah. of them. If you're waiting for the event card that says, like, an owl has taken half of your settlement, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you're yeah, going to have to maybe that'll be an expansion, through. like a really dark it, expansion. It could be, but... The, um, like the theme of the game, it just plays all the way throughout from the components themselves to the artwork to the actual mechanisms of the game. It all plays out at the pace that the box promises you. Like, you know, it's it's really soothing. It's a nice game to play. We had a lot of like um, fun with Raphael with it. We had a lot of banter. But none of it was like, ha I'm going to throw down this card and In totally mess up the last two turns. Yeah. In terms of that sort of leisurely pace, it reminded me a little bit of Takedo. Um, yeah. which also had, uh, on the surface, beautiful art and components and stuff, but actually I was really disappointed with the quality in Takedo. We talked about that yeah, thing. And, you know, you had to sort of perforate the cards yourself. And yeah. um, even though the vistas were quite beautiful, the panoramas and stuff, yeah. the actual component quality was poor. Well, not trying to derail that point too much. Didn't you mention, but like similar thing about uh, the Catan copy that we've played in the past, that potentially... If you get games off eBay and stuff, like there might be, I'm not saying that the copy you've got is illegitimate, <laughs> but there are um, bogus copies out there of games, aren't they? It's, yeah. like, it's turned out to be a real thing. Do you think that's with Takada? I bought Takada from Traveling Man, though, so then, that, then this is definitely not. a side truth. <laughs> yeah. But basically, yeah, the component quality was poor. Um, the game was great. It looked beautiful, but the components were poor. Yeah. Um, and it affects we, the experience as well. I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I am worried about the tree. But it does look good on the table. <laughs> it's I very tight. I don't know how much it's going to hold up over time. Right now, it's still set up because I'm still not certain yeah. how we're going to get it back in the box. I also think we're probably going to play it again tomorrow with the family. But component quality-wise, yeah, it's spot on. Isn't oh, it? it's amazing. I mean, everything's very round. So um, <laughs> if you're not careful, you're going to find some sticks rolling off the table <laughs> onto the floor. Okay, so that's one thing. The sticks, the wooden <laughs> blocks aren't squared off. They're cylinders. So actually stacking them on the board yeah. where it suggests uh, does tend to leave them rolling around. It's such a minor point to make, but it is like yeah. you will have to stack them a little bit carefully. But then they're meant to be like, you know, um, a beaver's whittled them down to make a dam and that's where you're getting them from. There's uh, little resin crystals that look amazing. The pebbles look brilliant. The berries, the berries are made out of like a little rubber material that's slightly squishy. Yeah, you just have to not eat them. <laughs> well... <laughs> You might be missing a few, to be honest. I couldn't also, the meeples. The meeples are awesome. Yeah. Um, they're not generic pawns. They are <laughs> carved into the shape of rabbits and squirrels and <laughs> uh, tortoise. In, I think it's a tortoise on the hind legs. I think we yeah. agreed. The green ones. And hedgehogs. Did we say that? Yeah, there's some hedgehogs in there. There's some, um, I think there's some rats as well that came with the, yeah, the rats like, come with the expansion, expansion stuff. I think they're for solo play. So it does oh, have yes. solo play this. I'm not sure if I would solo game this. For me, it's yeah, probably not like a big a bit, meaty sort of adventure experience. It's more like... too basic. Yeah, and all you'd be doing is like honing your skill to nail like, <laughs> the other players <laughs> next time you do a group infants. game. But it does have that option. Um, and it's a light solo game, I think. Well, it's a light it's multiplayer a light, game. It's a light game We could play general. this at the start of a night before like a big game, I think. Yeah, this would easily replace um, Forbidden Desert, that sort of a game. Yeah, it's probably sort of... wouldn't take too much longer to play. If we played this instead of Thunderbirds, I don't think we'd be saving or losing any time. Yeah, agreed. It's probably the same runtime. You could get it done in an hour, I reckon, now that yeah. we know the rules and everything. 
and it'll get to the point when we know most of the cards so well we're just kind of flying through it a little bit um but this is starting to sound way too shilly we should think of loads of things now to slag it off what i didn't like about the game was that the metal coins for victory tokens are too nice and well weighted <laughs> and they feel like coins in your hand they've got so there's ones and threes yeah um but they're the same color those threes are bigger they could have been silver and gold <laughs> they could have but they're gold and gold and they're, prob they're probably you know covered in paint so <laughs> that may scratch off a later date you never know it's very difficult to find a fault in this game um the only fault i would give it would probably be it's probably far too beautiful for its own good <laughs> and if you're into serious if basically if you're into proper head scratches you want a euro game that's quite mentally demanding and you're gonna have to develop lots of different strategies to beat your friends then it's probably not the one for you. It's probably a bit too light. If you want a game that you can just sit down with your family and get to grips with pretty much immediately on a rainy day, this definitely is the game for you. There might be a risk that it could be over faster than you think. Yes. Um, to be fair, though, that happens with Scythe and <laughs> some of those <laughs> yeah. games where you know it just ends suddenly. I think you you just have to plan for that, like yeah. uh, like all these types of games where as long as you know that it's coming to an end, yeah. you've got the finite amount of resources and time and workers to do this stuff. But I think if it did go any longer, it would potentially start moving into that bloat. It you, feels like it's bored. been play-tested to the point where they know the sort of optimal time for when it needs to wrap up and finish and yeah. count your points up. And it pared down to a really reasonable length, I think. Um, yeah. It's definitely going to get more play. It deserves it. Um, there's tons more game left in there. Um, there's a lot more to explore. It's just it's just a really lovely game to play. Definitely recommend it to everyone out there. If anyone's like a aspiring board games designer as well and you're you're not too sure about how your theme is going to fit your game or how to present a game or how like to make the rule book look nice compared to the rest of the components or to design components that fit in quite an abstract way to the game then just have a look at everdell try and hunt out pictures of it online get you know see if you can find a copy in a board game cafe because it really is a master class of like graphic design and games design meeting really it's i couldn't find anything that was out of place in this game like none of the components feel like they've been chucked in from another game that they've already designed it all feels brand spanking new yeah it's like um it is like a stonemaier game yeah like, to go back to scythe it, it just feels like all of the parts just fit super neatly yeah. yeah it makes me really excited to give um archmage a go as well another game by uh, stalin a different designer but we've Pops open the lid and had a look inside, and again, it's like these really beautiful inserts. Yeah, it looks like very different. A lot more completely sort of different. It looks like a very fantasy orientated yeah, rather than. Like looks like a much a much deeper game. Um, but again, like component quality, quite up there. And this time, I've seen a board game with a dust jacket. Oh well, these are the collector's edition ones. Ah, so okay. One, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so you get to, you get teased with a load of artwork on the backside, and then on the front, you've got like a nice collector's edition um version of the box stop your nice fancy um box from getting scratched up yeah yeah it's nice yeah, it's very nice so um it turns out we do enjoy games that people send to us <laughs> um, feel free to send more anybody please don't want to buy them second game we played this evening was Street Masters once again uh, from Blacklist Games, a game designed by 
Adam and Brady Sadler. We've talked about this game previously. Um, it's a combat game for one to four players, fully cooperative. Um, it's basically you're playing all your favorite video game uh, heroes and thanks to some, an expansion material and stretch goals, some of their villains as well. So um, some of the villains come across in the game. You can also play as a hero a bit later on or an anti-hero. Essentially, you're just thrown into a map with a different scenario, a load of baddies and some objectives to try and thwart. And away you go. It's a countdown to getting beaten up and tossing out of the game, really. <laughs> it's we a, a co-op co uh, scrambling, yeah. fighting, arcade beat-em-up. And um, we've yet to win a game. Yeah, I think that's right. We we had the opportunity to play something and talk about something that we hadn't played we before did. tonight. And we went to uh, this. And we rejected a few titles in favour of just cracking out Street Masters again. It's getting amazing reviews, and rightly so. I'm dead excited for Aftershock, the expansion that they're working on at the moment. Yeah. Um, although, to be honest, I don't even know when we get around to using those components because there's so, there's so many <laughs> decks. There's so many uh, characters you can play as. Each character plays uniquely. Yeah. Once you've both picked, or however many of you are playing, once you've all picked your characters, you pick a stage. Yeah. The stage has its own rules with, uh, tonight we were in like a factory where these conveyor belts were dropping crates yeah. down and you could run and grab the crates before they fell into these grinders at the end of the conveyor belts. You could knock the baddies into the grinders. <laughs> they could knock you into them. There was also, there was bombs going off everywhere. So there was like ticking time bombs we yeah. had to defuse. And then you pick your deck of enemies and they have a boss. We went up against the Oni, who's like this sort of mega guy that sort of, the first time you beat him, he just powers up and doubles his health and comes back at you. Uh, and he's got like a team of ninjas protecting him and stuff. And yeah. each of the ninjas has their own abilities. If you kill a ninja, it just turns out you killed its shadow version and it just reappears. It just keep bouncing around, yeah. yeah. Getting back into it after not playing it for a while, there was a, a couple of head-spinning <laughs> moments where I was like, oh my God. After Everdell. After wandering through the woods and collecting berries and stuff, all of a sudden getting <laughs> asses kicked around uh, an abandoned warehouse by ninjas. The gameplay itself, though, comes back really quickly. There's a couple yeah. of exceptional rules where you're like, oh, you know, scratch your head a little bit, trying to remember how certain card effects play out. Yeah. Um, but the core gameplay is you move three spaces, you play an action, and then you, you play a card. Yeah. Um, but it's everything that you combo from that that makes it really enjoyable. You, you feel like you've got loads of player agency. It's the same or a similar system to what they designed for The Walking Dead, but this is, in my opinion, completely refined, much more honed, much more interesting. Yeah. Um, and much more variation from player to player. Yeah, it's all based around the idea of comboing as well, isn't it? So as a hero, you've got your deck of cards and you want to try and transfer as many cards from your hand into the gameplay area that will just keep bouncing off each other and charging each other up and buffing each other. So um, I had a bit of frustration today because my character was, um, I played a kimono, so he, well, yeah, kimono. Um, and he is basically a blanker from Street Fighter, except he's got more arms. And he <laughs> wants to build up electricity and then use it against his opponents. Uh, but his attacks will generate that electricity. And if he's got no sort of side special abilities to charge up with them, it'll hurt himself. And what I found out was the villain kept making us discard our cards. So because I want to have attacks in my hand, I had to keep hold of them and then get rid of the special abilities, the combo attacks. So I was constantly attacking stuff and killing stuff, but also hurting myself in the way. Um, and it's just the way that the, my character played against the villain. And knowing that now I wouldn't probably pick 
that character forgot to pick that villain again. But it was just kind of like, it's frustrating, but at the same time, trying to work a way around that and work out how to best play the game based on it was still quite um, exciting. Yeah, so, it's almost solving a puzzle of exactly, like, how yeah. to like, maximise your strength and everything. But you, from a turn-to-turn perspective, you get a flavour of running around, throwing people into stuff, <laughs> oh, was, blasting yeah. them with electricity, and uh, doing Hadouken and all that kind of stuff. I was playing like the Ryu character from Street Fighter. I can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> Aku Ten or something, I can't remember. But um, it was a lot of fun. And once you tee up a few powers, once you've got like your stances or tactics into play, yeah. they sort of power up every card that you play. So you, you get more and more powerful as it goes on. And then each time you kill a minion, you get rewarded with a loot crate. And it might be a stick of dynamite or a sugar cone <laughs> that you can just launch. Sneakers. What were you using? You using cash or cash, something? I was bribing the minions. Bribing them to just if I gave them a wad of you. cash, they <laughs> didn't attack me that round. So it's very arcade game yeah. feeling. You know, it's it's it it's funny. clever. It's very clever the way it's, it comes together. We we didn't we still haven't played the as a group. We haven't played the campaign games yet. Yeah, where the stories like develop from one to one scenario to the next, and you improve your deck. You take out basic cards and I, I wonder if that's the way to play it for the first few games because i wonder if there's like a a difficulty curve. a curve built into that because i don't i don't know because it adds it adds quite a lot of complexity you get oh, like I rivals see. and allies and all new characters turning up and stuff so i think it's definitely for the more experienced players oh right okay because um, I, know, I know for a fact that the arcade setup that we were playing is solid which is brilliant. I, I do love a difficult game because the sense of achievement when you do finally beat it is yeah. up there. I don't think we've ever beat Predator, Legendary, <laughs> legendary Predator. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's a proper, like, like you're saying, it's a load of fun running around smashing up this arcade environment. But at the same time, it's like, how do you beat it? <laughs> you, What's the combo? You kind of always feel like you've got a chance until you realise you have no chance. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's always two turns before you get kills that you realise what you did wrong. Yeah. And you're always like, I could have diffused that bomb. I shouldn't have gone for that minion. I should have hit the boss more. But there's no one thing you can do. You've, you've kind of got to juggle everything and spin lots of plates at once. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the scenario we were playing when the bombs are like ticking down and you have to run and disarm them. It's definitely tricky to keep track of everything. Definitely. Uh, but rewarding as well when you do sort of pull off a, a kick-ass move and take out two or three guys in one go. and Exactly. And you're like, yeah, I just cleared this section of the board. And then it's there going... Everyone just reappears and like all these new minions rush in and start degging you again. Yeah, and it's like, I suppose it's that thing where there's like the people that are best at Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter aren't necessarily the people that know all the moves for all the characters. It's the ones that know how to break the combos. Right. And once the penny drops for us when we work out, oh, this is how you disrupt the enemies and like break them up and get to objectives for them. We'll, you know, we'll be flying, yeah. but we just need to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to play it more like I it. I think we do. I think we do. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's um, it's not exactly a slow game either. It takes about, is it 40 minutes to an hour per scenario, do you reckon? Oh, I think we were playing it for a bit longer than that tonight. I yeah. Think it was a good couple of hours yeah. um, by the end of it. Um, so you do get stuck in. And I remember, I think we talked about this last time initially, what put me off a little bit was these small sort of terrain tiles. You just got one tile. Yeah. So it's not like a dungeon crawl where you moving through like a big house or whatever, you're literally in that scenario and you've got to take out the boss before the time, whatever yeah. the timer is, activates. But actually there's so much to do in such a small space yeah. that you are really focused on that small environment. And if it was bigger, it would go yeah. super long. So 
again, it's just the right sort of amount of time and space that you need to sort of concentrate on to. Yeah, and it's like twenty hex wide, isn't it, in a big square? So yeah, so you there's do, a lot do of room a lot, to move cover around. A lot of distance. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of writing in the miniatures and stuff as well. Mine completely oh. grey and unpainted. We need to get Jackie on the job. There's so much variety. You. It took us about 20 minutes to find all the miniatures before <laughs> yeah. we started playing. Rooting through them yeah, they, they weren't, they weren't um, shy when they were putting them in the box, were they? Really? Yeah. There's a lot of plastic and a lot yeah. of cards as well. Yeah, but it's all really cool. Like the, the quality of the minis is really nice as well. And the artwork, again, phenomenal. Completely different to Everdell, but just like really evocative. You know, when the second you look at your character, who it's based on loosely. And oh, yeah. That only comes through further when you like, start looking at what the attacks do and how they interact with each other. Yeah, there's no doubt by looking at it that it's it's an arcade machine brought to life in <laughs> yeah. cardboard form. That's it. So, um, yeah, a great one for the um, for the arcade fans. The rules are pretty straightforward. Like you were saying, you know, you've got a certain amount of actions that each character can do. The scenario... Um, the stage environments always tell you what you need to do at the end of the round to progress the stage level, like drop boxes or move yeah. conveyor belts on. And the enemy deck will tell you exactly what to do as well, um, What you know, what the big bad is doing. And the objectives, you know how they're going to roll along. Where we came a cropper is managing all of those different rule sets because obviously you can't have it in a big book. So the designers have made this really good um, set of reference cards, reference cards that yeah. you just spot around. But we weren't really keeping them in one location, so it's that easy to forget. It's like, oh no, we need to advance <laughs> the stage and quickly remember to get a, um, to get a, an enemy out at the beginning of your turn. Oh yeah, um, the bombs. We need to do that. There is yeah. Again, if you've not played it, if you don't play it regularly, there's quite a lot to sort of bring to bear to you know to 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 allow like a deeper experience with all the different combos and all the different action that's going on. Uh, it necessitates complexity of a certain level. Yeah. And getting back into the mode and remembering all that yeah. is a bit of a, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, once that plays out, like the second we finish, I was like, another one, you know, again, again. Yeah. Oh, it's midnight. We got there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, there, there is quite a, a bit to keep track of and there's loads of tokens and things as well. Uh, and each environment is different. So each time you play, you've got to sort of keep your eye out for what's going to be new in this, you know, in this temple or in this sewer or clone factory or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and it will, uh, but it will change the game up completely. So you won't get the same experience. And that stage, combined with the villain deck, which is completely different, combined with the hero decks, which are all completely different, means it is an insane amount of game in the box. Yeah. If you just ignore all the Kickstarter expansion extras content, I went full tilt on on this and ordered everything. But if you took out all of that and just had the base game with the base game characters, there's still tons of flexibility in how it all sets up and. Again, once you add the campaign modes or the story arcs and everything else, it, it just really changes it up again. Um, you really have to spend years with it, I think, to <laughs> unlock like all the sort of game that's in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's an awful lot of replayability in it. And then Unlike is- House of Danger, which we finished this week, <laughs> which is like one and done. Uh, yeah, no, this one has like loads of you know, complexity, depth and replayability, I reckon. That's great. Great to come across a game that's uh, that's that complex, but at the same time, you know, it's just so much fun as well. You know, you really get to grips with it, you get burning in. You want sometimes you want to throw the whole box out of the window into frustration, <laughs> but you know that's that's just the video games. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and and if you don't like, you know, if you do lose, you're like, I want a new character. But if you win, you're like, 
I want to stick with this character yeah. and just like see how far I can take him, sort of thing. Maybe the next expansion should include like a SNES controller that you can throw on the floor <laughs> in frustration when you get beaten up. <laughs> just just like being in your bedroom when you were nine years old. Yes, yes, it should. <laughs> all right then. Well, um, I think that's that's all the time that we've got for this week. We'll be back next week with some more games. But before we go, just like to let you know that we are also now available on Twitter. So we've set up a board chitless account. So at board underscore chitless. If you want to jump on there and let us know what games you'll be playing this week, or if you've got any opinions on the beautiful Everdell or Street Masters, just get in touch with us there. And as always, our Facebook group hashtag board chitless. Um, always welcome to join us there for a bit of chit chat as well. So please feel free to join the discussion. So until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Goodbye.